Remember when the news was pure fact? You do? Well, I have bad news for you. It wasn't. Never was. But the difference between what you remember and what you're seeing now is that the purveyors of the news now don't care that you see their bias. Well, we're biased too. We have a hard, relentless leaning toward the truth. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your anchor today and every day is Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. And yes, I am in the Christmas spirit. This is a great time of year. You don't have to have young children. You don't. You don't have to have a whole lot of people that you must do this for, you must buy this present for. We don't have to have any of that. Just having each other. That makes it worth it all. Listen, if you don't do anything else this Christmas, but do two things. Don't do them for me. Do them for yourself. Number one, target all the people in your life that are reachable. In other words, in your circle, maybe you can't see them, but you can make a phone call. Target those people and make sure you connect during the holiday season before Christmas is over. Tell them how much you love them. Tell them what you think about them. And thank them for being in your life. You don't know how much that will mean because everybody deals with some type of emotional issue during the holiday season. Unfortunately for many of us, those aren't good feelings. They don't come out of very good experiences in the past. But we need to personally... We need to stop looking over our shoulders and worrying and fretting about things behind us. After all, they're gone. You can't change them. What happened then is always going to be what happened. But what we can do is make conscious decisions to make our lives better. And you can start doing that by making somebody else feel good. Personal experience, I can tell you, there is nothing that is more positive than somebody else coming up to you, smiling at you, hugging you, patting you on the back, and somehow making you feel more comfortable about yourself. Sometimes when we do that for people, they don't have any sense of self-worth until you come up and make them feel like they really matter. That's today's (laughs) lesson from um, the bald, graying Dan Newman. I am 70 years old, and I'm glad to be 70, as Rush Limbaugh always said, if it doesn't mean anything else. Today, no matter how you feel what's going on, you haven't yet assumed room temperature. You're still with all those people you love. Now, we're going to consistently every day through Christmas, we're going to share some of the greatest songs from some of the greatest artists of all time. Meaningful songs like this one. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior. 
You know, producer David Foster discovered her. That was Celine Dion. Few people sing like Celine Dion sings. I wonder how many people in the music world professionally today can look back and point at David Foster. He is amazing. He's still finding young musicians and opening doors to put them on the world stage like he did for so many before them. Michael Buble. He wasn't the guy when the Carpenters were discovered. It was actually Ralph Carmichael, another producer, who, by the way, is a um, kind of a matriarch, patriarch for David Foster. But there are people out there that just have that kind of eye and ear. They see people that are special. They listen to them musically, and they help them get going. Mentoring people. If you've got a special gift of some kind, it doesn't have to be music. James Posey just uh, sent me a text when he was listening to that song. He talked about the Italian version of the song. I've heard opera versions of O Holy Night in Italian, and maybe it's because I don't understand Italian, but Italian opera and the sounds are just amazing. This is a great time of year to celebrate friends, celebrate circumstances, and all the blessings that we have in our lives. If you look around the world right now, there are a whole lot of people that don't have much to be joyful about. We need to remember that. When we're tempted to gripe and complain and look at what we possibly could have for ourselves and maybe our extended family members that we don't have, Don't be ungrateful. That doesn't accomplish anything. It just makes you feel worse when you think about all the stuff that you might have had. We could sit here all day long and compare notes, each of us, talking about the missed opportunities, the mistakes, the bad choices we've made, and the hurt that we've experienced at the hands of other people. We could do that. That does not accomplish a thing. No matter how tough it's been for you, I don't care what the circumstances are. I do care, but it doesn't matter how bad the circumstances were for you. There's always somebody out there that can top your bad circumstances with worse circumstances. Count your blessings. Count them one by one. Count your many blessings. Think what God has done. That just popped into my head. That's an old song from church. That's uh, part of the chorus. There's lots of good music out there, Christian music too. In fact, most of the really good stuff has roots in Christianity. Oh my goodness, you can't say that, Dan. Yes, I can. It's my show. (laughs) I hope you've got big plans, family plans for the holidays. Many of you are going to be traveling. This is not a good time, in my opinion, for people to going out and doing a lot of traveling. Traveling has changed dramatically over the last six or seven years. I I used to fly a lot. When I founded my company back in the early 90s, I had to fly all over the United States, sometimes even into Canada, to deal with hospitals hospital administrators, all those 
people that I had to interact with in the line of business that I was in. And fortunately, I racked up a bunch of travel miles flying through various air airlines, and I could always fly first class. That makes a difference. It does. First class today is nothing like it was 20 years ago. Oh, my gosh. The seats were actually bigger. The amenities were much, much, much better. And there was another really good thing that a lot of people just don't even think about. You get to get on the plane first. That means you don't have to worry about having a spot in the overhead for your briefcase, suitcase. There's always going to be room. That's the one good thing. And then all of the amenities in flights. And then when the plane lands, you get to get out first. So you get to get to a baggage claim before everybody else does. Those are just little things. But now you're going to be flying. Many of you are going to be flying a bunch this holiday And though they have the same opportunities to take care of passengers today, it just seems like the care and the real concern for people that are flying with them, that's all gone. I'm sorry. It just is not anything like it was. And I'm not talking about, you know, when I was a kid, I'm I'm not looking that far back. I'm looking back five, six, seven, eight years. Every year it just seems to get a little worse in service and not just on airlines. Do you eat out a lot? Even if you don't eat out a lot, when you go to eat out, it's tough today to find really good service when you go into a restaurant. And let me say this, when I find a really good restaurant, and I'm not just talking about the food, I'm talking about the service, the smiles, the way people that are waiting on you, the way they look at you, the way they speak to you, and of course how they treat you. And it all revolves around the food. And is it, is it good? Is it timely getting to your to your table? Are they concerned about the quality of their service and the food that they bring to you? All those kinds of things. I have places in my town, Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana, that I won't even go back to. And then I have other places where the food may not be, you know, top shelf, but it's it's good food. But the service and service with a smile and looking me in the eye and speaking to me, those are important things. And many people in the service industry don't even get that. I think across the spectrum, we Americans have lost a lot of, of the good things that involve interactions with other people in everyday life. We take, we used to take it for granted. Can't do that anymore. Well, what do we have in store for you today? We have a lot of things. I'm sure if you didn't hear it, see it and hear it yesterday, you know about Hunter Biden. He did not go to testify honoring the subpoena that he got to testify before the house But he did go to the Capitol. But when he went to the Capitol, he didn't go in the Capitol. He unloaded with a bunch of his friends out of a car and had set up a microphone. That was all prearranged. And um, Hunter gave a speech. Now, that's kind of strange. I think you'll agree because he, as prominent as he has been in the news and all the trouble 
that he has gotten into that made the news, very seldom have we seen or heard from him on television in interviews. And it's because he's had such trouble in his past life. And the only reason he really gets any real attention is because not of who he is other than his last name, Biden, the president's son. So I thought you needed to hear what Hunter had to stay on the steps in front of the Capitol. So here's Hunter. Good morning. I'm here today to answer at a public hearing any legitimate questions Chairman Comer and the House Oversight Committee may have for me. I'm here today to make sure that the House Committee's illegitimate investigations of my family do not proceed on distortions, manipulated evidence, and lies. And I'm here today to acknowledge that I've made mistakes in my life and wasted opportunities and privileges I was afforded. For that, I'm responsible. For that, I'm accountable. And for that, I'm making amends. But I'm also here today to correct how the MAGA right has portrayed me for their political purposes. I am first and foremost a son, a father, a brother, and a husband from a loving and supportive family. I'm proud to have earned degrees from Georgetown University and Yale Law School. I'm proud of my legal career and business career. I'm proud of my time serving on a dozen different boards of directors. And I'm proud of my efforts to forge global business relationships. For six years, MAGA Republicans, including members of the House committees who are in a closed-door session right now, have impugned my character, invaded my privacy, attacked my wife, my children, my family, and my friends. They have ridiculed my struggle with addiction, they have belittled my recovery, and they have tried to dehumanize me all to embarrass and damage my father, who has do devoted his entire public life to service. For six years, I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Let me state as clearly as I can my father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. During my battle with addiction, my parents were there for me. They literally saved my life. They helped me in ways that I will never be able to repay. And of course, they would never expect me to. And in the depths of my addiction, I was extremely irresponsible with my finances. But to suggest that is grounds for an impeachment inquiry is beyond the absurd. It's shameless. There is no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. 
James Comer, Jim Jordan, Jason Smith, and their colleagues have distorted the facts by cherry-picking lines from a bank statement, manipulating texts I sent, editing the testimony of my friends and former business partners, and misstating personal information that was stolen from me. There is no fairness or decency in what these Republicans are doing. They have lied over and over about every aspect of my personal and professional life, so much so that their lies have become the false facts believed by too many people. No matter how many times it is debunked, they continue to insist that my father's support of Ukraine against Russia is the result of a non-existent bribe. They displayed naked photos of me during an oversight hearing. And they have taken the light of my dad's love, the light of my dad's love for me, and presented it as darkness. They have no shame. These same committee chairmen have engaged in unprecedented political interference in what would have already been a five-year investigation of me. Yet, here I am, Mr. Chairman, taking up your offer when you said we can bring these people in for depositions or committee hearings, whichever they choose. Well, I've chosen. I am here to testify at a public hearing today to answer any of the committee's legitimate questions. Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics, expose their baseless inquiry, or hear what I have to say. What are they afraid of? I'm here. I'm ready. Obviously, he, did not, he didn't prepare that speech. His attorneys crafted it very meticulously and told him, don't do what your dad does. Don't get off script. Read it exactly as we wrote it. Now, why would I think that? Well, I don't think it. It's factual. He changed a few things in there that he and his dad and other members of the Biden administration have maintained for months now were factual. The things that Hunter said had very little to do with the facts. It was laying a foundation of where they're going to go to try to defend Hunter Biden's actions because he is facing some serious potential responsibility that comes with jail time. That all was a plea, not to the American people, but to people that are of the leftist ilk to try to get them to keep in step and keep preaching the same narrative, to try to convince Democrats out there. You're not going to convince a conservative that Hunter Biden is innocent of all wrongdoing and that his father had nothing to do with any of his wrongdoing. That's not going to happen. Facts say otherwise. 
In just a second, I'm going to let you listen to former um, federal attorney Matt Whitaker. He's going to address what Hunter had to say. It's not very long, but I want you to hear his perspectives. But what I wanted you to hear was the approach that the Biden administration is taking on everything. Everything this administration, almost without fail, has done is not based in the rule of law, is not based or taken from the U.S. Constitution, and is almost always quid pro quo actions taken by an administration led by a president that is obviously by his actions that have been proven again and again and again, is corrupt. So why should anybody be surprised to find out that layer after layer, incident after incident, discovery after discovery, we find out there really is corruption, and the corruption is worse than we first thought it was. You don't have to look any further than the southern border to see how corrupt Joe Biden is. Forget about the Hunter Biden stuff. Joe Biden opened borders at his behest for three years now, and approximately 8 million illegals have taken advantage of his corruption and are in our nation today doing what they want to do what they came here to do, and what they intend to do, which is, not all of them, thank goodness, but many of them, far too many of them, they've been here before but were kicked out before for crimes they committed when they were here. And we don't really have any inside looking to see what they were doing illegally in the countries where they come from. The very fact that Hunter Biden doesn't, not Hunter, excuse me, Joe Biden doesn't shut the border, doesn't operate the southern border according to the rule of law, according to the laws that were duly passed by members of the House and the Senate, and they did those laws based upon what the people that they represent in states and congressional districts that they represent want them to do or want them to stop. His doing this, every time he lets one illegal come in, he's breaking, he is breaking a federal law that he was part of creating during his half a century in the United States Senate. We're long past the point where we can even consider a remote possibility of there being goodness in their plans, their plans, the left, their plans at opening up and perpetually keeping our southern border open and letting all these people come in. In a free and democratic nation, the fundamental structure of the rule of law in those countries, just as here in the United States, it must function according to its constitutional structure or it will fail. We can look back in history through not just decades, through centuries, 
and see some of the greatest nations in world history founded on democratic principles have failed and are no longer in existence. And you know why? Some people at the top in charge with the responsibility and also the ability to make sure that country operates according to its structure in the rule of law fails because every time it fails, people at the top of their governments get sucked in to walking away from their convictions first stated and proven to be so when the people in those countries wanted them to lead them. The principle, the fundamental principle, the number one principle that destroys all of these and the people that live within them, the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, are you saying that's what's driving Hunter Biden and Joe Biden? I can't see their hearts. They know what's in their hearts. God knows what's in their hearts. But we do know this. They both gladly embraced for a long, long, long time the opportunities that came with their open doors throughout their lives. And they not only have invested in those open door opportunities, they've used them for personal gain. The love of money is the root of all evil. Matt Whitaker, he weighed in on this yesterday around lunchtime. Let me bring in Matt Whitaker now, former acting attorney general. Matt, welcome. Uh, good morning. We haven't seen you weigh in on this this morning. Very dramatic moment on the sidewalk in front of the Senate side, which I think is, is fascinating. I don't know if he thought they were going to grab him if he went over to the House side and make him come in and testify. Um, but your thoughts on that, Matt, and what you saw so far unfolding today. He's gone now. No, no closed door testimony. Right. This is political theater at its best. Well, you know, perfectly scripted from the Hunter Biden team to make their points, to score, you know, as many points as they possibly can, and then to ultimately walk away. And so the American people will sort of see him speaking at the Capitol, but without the liability or risk uh, that, that it would otherwise involve, Martha. You know, I think we're going to right now see whether there's a two-tiered system of justice. I think that, you know, in the documents case, Joe Biden got a walk, President Trump continues to fight through that. But, you know, we had people like Peter Navarro and Steve Bannon that were indicted by DOJ for ignoring a congressional subpoena. And now that Hunter Biden has done it, we'll see whether Merrick Garland is willing to do it. But, you know, the one other thing I would like to make on this point is that Hunter Biden's team had a very simple calculation. He's already facing six felony charges for guns and taxes. He's got about you know six misdemeanor charges as well on the tax case. So one more misdemeanor for ignoring a congressional subpoena. I think they were willing to risk that legally because he's in real hot water with those other cases. Yeah. Um you know, listening to this discussion prior to this hour that Dana and Bill were having about the Department of Justice and talking with Andy McCarthy and whether or not they will actually pursue 
any of this because, you know, Congress has very limited powers when it comes to this. And I think the American people watch all this and they say, oh, here we go again. You know, nothing ever happens to these people. We watch it time and time again from Hillary Clinton uh, to, you know, so some might put President Trump in there as well, you know, with impeachments. And, you know, we, we watch how political they are once they move through the the majorities in the House and Senate. What would you say to folks at home who are kind of throwing up their hands at this this morning? They have every right to be frustrated. You know, I'm here in Iowa today uh, where I was born and raised and live. And I would tell you that a lot of this uh, that happens in Washington, D.C. is oftentimes discarded as just pure politics. Mm -hmm. But when the Department of Justice, you know, puts their thumb on the scale of justice, I think that is noticed. And, you know, I think Merrick Garland is going to have to ultimately indict him, Hunter Biden, for uh, ignoring this congressional subpoena because you remember when he appointed the special counsel and then as soon as those documents were found hidden in Joe Biden's garage behind the Corvette, mm -hmm. you know, he felt obligated to appoint Rob Hur as special counsel. And so I think he's going to have the same obligation here after indicting, you know, two Trump associates for the exact same uh, ignoring a congressional subpoena, I think he's going to have to do this case. And if he doesn't, uh, uh, you know, I will come back on here and, and say that that is the most obvious example of the two-tier system of justice we've seen to date. You know, when you watch this process and this afternoon, this is a big day. We had this happen this morning. Later on, you're going to hear the impeachment inquiry vote. So the House will decide if they have a simple majority, which would allow them to move forward with this impeachment inquiry of the sitting president right now. Tell us what your thoughts are there. Tell us what you expect to see this afternoon if that vote goes through and then what happens politically. Well, I mean, it obviously it ratchets up. And I think that, that, you know, Mike Johnson, it seems to me, would not bring that vote unless he is pretty confident yeah. and has counted noses to see who's going to vote for impeachment inquiry. And then, you know, obviously, that gives them sort of the, the, the most tools to do the investigation. And I think it puts more teeth in what they're doing. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, as I said, when uh, President Trump was being investigated by the Congress under Nancy Pelosi, you know, impeachment is a political uh, mm -hmm. operation. And so ultimately, I would be more interested in sort of these uh, legal and judicial actions, including whether or not Merrick Garland has the guts to uh, enforce a congressional subpoena and future congressional subpoenas if others during this impeachment inquiry yeah ignore those legitimate subpoenas. Matt Whitaker, thank you very much. We've got a lot going on today. You, Good to have you here. We're not going to weigh into any further parts of this. I just want to point out a couple of things. Number one, one sentence that Hunter Biden said in his written dissertation, quote, my father was not financially involved in my business not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not my investment at all, nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. Now, that was a very carefully crafted segment of his dissertation that was put together by his attorneys. Now, let me just point something out that has changed now three times. Joe Biden, every time he was asked, have you ever had discussions with your son or his business partners about business? No, I never have. I've never spoken to my son 
about his foreign business dealings? That was the first answer. But it began to change a little bit as more and more information and proof comes out that proved that was a lie. Then he was asked, and he morphed it a little bit, and his reply would be, I've never met with any of my son's foreign business associates. That was obviously a, a lie. We've seen him. We have multiple pictures and videos where he is not just meeting them or talking to them on a telephone. He's eating with them. So they had to change it again. And it went through this, he is, I've never received any money from my son's foreign business operations. That was maintained for months, every time he was asked. And then he, it was proven that's a lie. So now it's changed again. This is a quote from Hunter. You just heard it. Let me state as clearly as I can. My father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not my investment at all nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. So now it's my father was not financially involved in my business. In other words, he didn't work in the company. But we know Joe was a recipient of the great success of Hunter's companies. You can dance around it all you want to. <laughs> you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels. What do you model, gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Right? Eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. 
sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. As I'm sure you know by now, Hunter did not respond in cooperation with the subpoena he received to testify, giving a deposition being deposed by the House Oversight Committee members behind closed doors. He made a big deal out of it. Look, when you're subpoenaed for something specific, it's in the subpoena what you are being subpoenaed to do and provide. You don't get to choose, I want to be here, I want to do it here, and you can't talk about this or that. No, this is a legal instrument that's been in place since the Constitution has been in place. A deposition is a standard procedure used for two centuries by congressional investigators. Democrats used depositions when they investigated uh, Adam Schiff, their own member of the House from California. He was impeached. There was an inquiry about impeaching him during the partisan January 6th committee. House Oversight Committee Ranking Member Jamie Raskin. We've got some information, some more information today from Jamie Raskin. He emphasized the importance of standard closed-door depositions. We will not provide special treatment because Hunter's last name is Biden, Comer and Jordan wrote. As our committees were today prepared to depose Hunter, he chose to make a public statement on Capitol Hill instead where he said his father, Joe Biden, was not financially involved in his family's business dealings. But there's a couple of things that point to this is not going to end well for Hunter. You remember Peter Navarro, Steve Bannon? They were both indicted on contempt charges for not complying with the January 6th committee. There was no basis to comply with the Democrats' fake committee. Matt Gates said, I believe Hunter Biden should be held in contempt of Congress for his defying a subpoena. Both Navarro and Steve Bannon did the same thing. They had their reasons, but it didn't work out good. Bannon went to jail. Peter Navarro's, his case is still pending. Exactly how was Joe Biden involved? Evidence shows Joe Biden met with Hunter's business associates, and his name was at the center of the family business strategy. So, They voted yesterday, the House did, to launch an official impeachment inquiry. All this does, little bit of things are going to be tweaked, but overall it's not going to make a drastic change other than it gives them a little more legal teeth to compel people to provide testimony and documents that the White House refuses to give them at all going through just normal requests. 
So what does that tell you? Their resistance to not provide anything. They won't let anybody that was involved in any of this stuff that they know is involved there, they won't let them testify. They won't give documents. They even stopped that registry where they store all the official documents that come out of any White House. They stopped that. Joe Biden stopped them from complying with subpoenas from Congress. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? If they're so righteous, if they're so honest and honorable, as you just heard just a minute ago, Hunter Biden just maintained, hey, we're great people. We love each other. We take care of each other. We haven't done anything wrong. Well, listen, Hunter. Listen, Joe. Listen to Jim, little brother of Joe. If y'all haven't done anything wrong, why don't you just prove that the suspicious activity reports that came in the dozens from banks that were the recipients of millions of dollars from overseas entities and by federal law, when they get these unusual and large wire transfers, they are required by law to notify the U.S. Treasury, which they did. Why don't you just prove that that was business-related and give us the information about whatever contract? If you're getting that kind of money from some corporation, you've got a, uh, a contract that maybe says you're an advisor or whatever you did. If it was legitimate, it's named, there's paper to cover that. Why don't you just make those documents available? They went crazy when those suspicious deposit wire transfer reports were revealed to have been sent to banks. They didn't want the American people to know about that. There are too many unanswered questions, too many unanswered truthfully questions. The American people More than half the American people believe all this corruption in the Biden family syndicate is real. (laughs) That doesn't bother them at all. They don't care what people think. I told you, we mentioned Jamie Raskin. He said yesterday on MSNBC's All In, here's what he said. The Republican-led House voting to open an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden was making a mockery out of the Constitution. I'd love for Raskin to get in front of a television camera at MSNBC and let all 500 of their viewers hear him prove what he just alleged. Raskin said they got nothing else to do. There's literally no legislative program. They just want to cut off the people of Ukraine. They're not interested in humanitarian assistance to Ukraine or to people in Gaza or to helping people in Israel. None of it. Let me just say this. He, Jamie Raskin, is pounding the drum of Ukraine. All of the Democrats, almost without exception, are pounding the drum for give Ukraine a bunch of more money. They're not answering any questions. 
the questions revolve around being liable to the American people. Where's that money that we sent to Ukraine? Billions. Where, where's it been spent? When we do that, when we, the American people, give money to other countries supposedly to help them because of their need, we, because we is not Democrats or Republicans in Congress, it's we, the people of the United States, that's our money that Joe Biden sends to Ukraine or anywhere else. We want accountability. Where'd that money go to? You heard Dunstan Teo on this show. Dunstan Teo, one of the co-founders of Bitcoin, one of the greatest cryptocurrency experts on the planet. He knew Sam Bankman freed. And all of the uproar that came, the trial, there's another trial pending. He was guilty, guilty, guilty of stealing money, all those kinds of things through his uh, cryptocurrency exchange. Dunstan called me to come on this show, and we brought him in, and he told us when the first big batch of money was supposedly shipped to Ukraine, the government was told, you can't send that in conventional banking ways. The banks over there are either out of business or the money will get dispersed illegally. There's so much corruption over there. Well, how are we going to get it to them? Well, let's try cryptocurrency. And if you know anything about crypto, you don't send it from bank to bank. You send it from crypto account to crypto account directly. Nobody can get in the middle of it and steal it. But guess what you can do with cryptocurrency? You can make transactions happen, and nobody knows they happen but the sender and the recipient. But it just so happened in this case that those billions of dollars U.S. gave to Ukraine at the beginning, not all of it went to Ukraine. It went to several different crypto accounts. And some of those accounts are attached to people like the Clinton Foundation. Uh-oh. Busted. All of this stuff needs to see the light of day so the American people can know. Here's what's going on. And by the way, if we shine the light on it, those of us that think there was corruption there will be proven, we'll see proof that there wasn't. It just had to go around through different barriers to make sure it gets to Ukraine and the Ukrainian people to help them in their defense against Russia for invading their country. I'm all good about that. But when someone that is non-political but very entrenched in the world of cryptocurrency picks up the phone to call this show and say, hey, most of that money didn't go to Ukraine or a bunch of that money didn't go to Ukraine and here we know where some of it went. Jamie Raskin, were you here on Tuesday this week? Steve Baker comes every Tuesday. He came this Tuesday to introduce to us all a blockbuster corruption revelation story that was published by the Blaze Network. 
Tuesday. And it was regarding January 6th. And a fraud, a fraud that was committed after the January 6th by a Democrat member of Congress. And that Democrat member of Congress that just came out yesterday and blasted Republicans for even thinking about impeaching Joe Biden. No basis, no foundation. Raskin, he got a Capitol Police officer, one that's been in the news. We've had stuff from him on this show. He testified in numerous trials of these January 6th insurrectionists, many of who are in jail. Raskin, Maryland Congressman, Democrat Jamie Raskin, instigated this officer to steal official letterhead from the Capitol Police Department and craft a letter. And the letter is full of lies. And our Steve Baker was involved in revelation about that whole process that took place. The stuff from that letter was part of the evidence used in the January 6th trial and was used to put people in jail. And it was all a fraud. This is the kind of stuff that's going on in our world right now. Let's move away from that stuff. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk. I mentioned the Clintons. Let's talk about them. It's kind of a sad thing that happened. The sad thing I'm talking about is when the chef of the Obamas was drowned just outside their place up on the East Coast. And the Clinton, the Clintons, Bill and Hillary Clinton, their investigators discovered details about the Secret Service's attempt to rescue that personal chef of Michelle and Barack. The July 23rd paddleboarding incident that resulted in the death of former White House sous chef and personal chef to the Obama family, Tafari Campbell, happened in the water next to Martha's Vineyard's estate where the Obamas have. Inquiring minds frustrated over stonewalling where transparency would be expected in this thing. They didn't give us any of the details. Having remained vigilant in pursuit of the facts, Judicial Watch reported Tuesday their latest response to a FOIA lawsuit revealed the U.S. Secret Service boats were inoperable at the time of the accident. Documents from the Department of Homeland Security amounted to 31 pages of records wherein the effort to locate Campbell was hampered by the need to gain use of a third boat that belonged to the groundskeeper after the agency's vehicles didn't work. So Tom Fitton, you see him on all the shows. He's the president of Judicial Watch. He posted on social media how the Secret Service report described an agent and a supervisory agent, quote, attempted to start one of the boats, but had difficulties lowering the motor. I headed down with redacted, but told her to continue down and yell to SA, that's also redacted, that I would run to get the keys for our USSS boat. I sprinted to the command post, grabbed the keys, sprinted back towards the boats. A similar issue occurred with the motor on the second boat. 
We jumped into a third belonging to the grounds creeper, and it worked without issue. Also, at least one and maybe multiple agents from the Secret Service's Little Rock, Arkansas office were involved in the search for Campbell's body. One inter-office email sent from a special agent out of Little Rock to a person identified as boss in the days following the incident read, in case you get calls from HQ headquarters about the incident at Martha's Vineyard regarding the drowning, I have attached a brief report of what happened and our involvement. No one has asked me for a report yet, but I'm sure they will. It's disturbing. This is Tom Fenton. He's talking. It's disturbing that Secret Service boats did not work for this emergency situation. This new information perhaps explains why the Secret Service is still hiding video related to the tragic drowning. According to the DHS documents, quote, after a detailed review of all potentially responsive records, 31 pages were released in part, two pages withheld in their entirety, and one video was withheld. Also withheld was the identity of the woman who had been with Campbell at the time of the incident who was referred to in the report as Ms. Taylor. The same report notes former President Obama came to the incident scene and the search was paused so Obama could speak to the eyewitnesses. This is coming aftermath from an investigation and FOIA request just to get the information for the American people. We continued our search with flashlights. Shortly thereafter, we were called to Wilson's Landing as former President Obama was there and the local fire department in conjunction with Massachusetts Police Department and other agencies were setting up an incident command post. He had wanted to talk with, and a name that was redacted, the first EMS police response we saw may have occurred within an hour. I recall seeing a small police or fire boat scanning the shoreline just after it was getting dark. In other words, we don't have a clue. Somebody does, but it isn't us, not the American people. And this guy died. And typically, as you know, if there's no shenanigans, nothing that is controversial or maybe could even be remotely tied to any unauthorized or maybe even illegal activities. They hide everything. They keep it from the American people. And when that happens, almost every time it happens, we immediately go to, there must be something there. I believe there is something there. And I don't think we're going to find out ever what really happened there. Listen, we're going to leave this, but this happens too often coming out of Washington, D.C. We don't have a single tier of justice in the United States. And now we've just accepted the fact that there's a dual system of justice. There's justice for those that are very way up in the government, endowed, very wealthy contributors to the party in charge and all that kind of stuff. And then there's us. But it gets worse than that. Now we're finding out we don't have one level of justice. We don't have two levels of justice. We have three or four or five. 
the big leaders at the top of the left, what they've done is created levels within the people that aren't endowed with the name, the label Democrat. If you're a conservative, if you're a, according to Joe Biden, a MAGA extremist, they've put you in another level of justice. In that one, they can do anything they want to. They don't have to answer to anybody. Seriously. James Comer, head of the House Oversight Committee, he's a congressman um, from, uh, just went blank, Kentucky. Yeah, he's from Kentucky. He and Jim Jordan came out after all this kind of got resolved yesterday afternoon and spoke to the American people. Here's a little bit. This is just not even a minute. Here's their response to all the questions that were being asked. Back to Washington, D.C., Chairman Comer and Jim Jordan are talking about handling the Hunter Biden inquiry. Rolf, watch this. Lots of questions. Hopefully you all have had an opportunity to go in the committee room and see the boxes of documents that we've accumulated. Tens of thousands of pages of documents. Uh, We have lots of specific questions. This is an investigation about public corruption at the highest levels of our government. The American people expect Congress to investigate this because I think one thing that Chairman Jordan's proven is uh, the FBI, the DOJ, and the IRS, as we've heard from the whistleblowers, have all dropped the ball. So the House Oversight House Judiciary Committee are conducting this credible investigation that an overwhelming majority of Americans want. We have specific questions for the president's son. He does not get to dictate the terms of this subpoena. There are not a lot of additional stuff that was there, but I just got this, and I thought I'd let you hear it. We've got some interesting news coming out of D.C., shocking news. It was for me when I heard it late yesterday. The Supreme Court, they just got involved in the trial, the pending trial of Donald Trump regarding him being the insurrection chief for January 6th, and it has shocked the world. Details of that, next. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider! The beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Without all the drama, cars.com. All drive, no drama. 
Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless sleep blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle. Snuggle. I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. Before I forget about it, I want to point everybody to truthnewsnet.org. Truthnewsnet.org. That's the website of our parent entity, Truth News Net Limited. And today there's a really important story that I think everybody needs to read. It has to do with climate change. And today's story is part one of two. And the title of the story is Meteor Meteorologist. Meteorologist. In other words, specialist. I can't even say the word, let alone read it. (laughs) Meteorologist, scientist, explain why there is no climate emergency. We've all been beat up with all these allegations. The world is going to end. We've spent, the United States has already spent trillions of dollars to tackle our climate change problems that are leading us to a climate emergency. That's what we've been told for decades. Well, there's really not one. Now, that's not me saying that. More than 1,600 scientists and informed professionals signed what's called the Global Climate Intelligence Group's World Climate Declaration. Again, part one is on the front page of today's truthnewsnet.org, our website. Part two will be there tomorrow. This is one of those stories. Now, it's full of all kind of evidence, details that prove everything. We're not talking about a few uh, far-right scientists. I don't even believe there are any far-right scientists. 1,600 experts, most of them climatologists and even doctors, not physical doctors, the, the the really smart non-medicine doctors. You know which group I'm talking about. This is going to be one of those stories you may want to save. It's a really big deal. Now, where were we going? Where were we going? I told you about what's happening in the way of uh, Donald Trump and the Supreme Court. Yesterday, the Supreme Court accepted a case that will probably further complicate special counsel Jack Smith's timeline for getting Donald Trump to trial in Washington on those charges that stem from his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election. The J6 day stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Supreme Court justices agreed yesterday to take up a case challenging the scope of an obstruction law that has been used to charge 
hundreds of January 6th defendants. And by the way, this is along with the former president. The statute, you may want to write this down and go check it out. I did this yesterday. Here we go. It's titled Section 1512C2. That's Section 1512C2. It's connected to two of the four counts that the special prosecutor, whatever his title is, Jack Smith, levied against Trump in his indictment. So with two key charges in question, Trump's trial there is set for, remember now, they pushed hard, the left pushed hard to get Trump tried, convicted, and thrown in jail before next year's election in November. This trial was set, and I use the word was, it was set on March 4th next year, the day before Super Tuesday. But with the Supreme Court taking this action, it appears increasingly unlikely that trial is going to happen then. Despite Jack Smith doing everything he can to make sure he gets Trump tried before the election. The decision by the Supreme Court yesterday to take up the appeal on the 1512 obstruction of an official proceeding case, it means the Trump D.C. case will not be going to trial. That's from lawyer and former federal prosecutor Bill Shipley. This is the easy way to make that happen without directly acting on the Trump case on an expedited basis. This indictment against Trump, it alleges that he perpetrated, quote, a conspiracy to corruptly obstruct and impede the January 6th congressional proceedings at which the collected results of the presidential election are counted and certified. Forget about the fact what they're saying and they're basing, Jack Smith is basing this indictment on He wants you to forget about the fact that we have numerous times, we have played the audios of Democrats standing up in that same, not this same year, but previous years, previous elections, standing on the floor of Congress and screaming and hollering their objections to the results of elections, federal elections that have happened, and they're doing so because they disagree with who gets elected. Dozens and dozens of those examples. Nobody's ever even thought about holding them accountable for objecting a congressional procedure. Over the past week, Smith has worked hard to keep the schedule on track amid Trump's appeal of Judge Tanya Chutkin's refusal to dismiss his case based on presidential immunity, which Trump filed about a month ago. After appealing to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, Trump motioned to freeze all proceedings in the district court. And, of course, Jack Smith opposed that in a filing that urged Judge Chutkin to maintain the March 4 date. Smith also asked the Supreme Court on Monday of this week to take up the question before the D.C. Circuit decides. That's totally out of character. Always, almost in every case, when a a court renders a verdict, then it will automatically 
go to the appeal court right above that to be considered there and reach a decision on whether or not to agree with the motion that was filed. And then and only then would it be considered to go to the Supreme Court. Smith is so worried he's going to lose this trial, he asked the Supreme Court to take it up right now and skip the appeal court. Trump's lawyers wrote Tuesday of this week that Smith's filing in opposition to pausing proceedings show his only aim is to prevent Trump from winning the 2024 election by rushing an unconstitutional and fundamentally unfair trial. Trials for charges Trump faces in other cases appear increasingly unlikely to conclude before the election. District Judge Eileen Cannon, she's overseeing Trump's federal trial for the alleged mishandling of the Mar-a-Lago document case. She signaled a willingness to put off the May 2024 trial date in that case, setting a scheduling conference for, and not until, March 1, to revisit the former president's request to postpone it. Smith, who also brought the indictment against Trump in this case, has similarly opposed Trump's efforts to delay the trial date. Likewise, the judge overseeing the Manhattan trial for allegedly falsifying business records That judge sent a letter to Trump's lawyers in September stating he would consider moving the date currently set for March of 2024 in February. And then there's Georgia. Fulton County DA Fannie Willis brought a sprawling indictment under Georgia's racketeering act against Trump and 18 co-defendants. She has said the trial may not conclude until early 2025. The only question that needs to be answered for the American people about all of this, all of the charges that have been brought against Donald Trump in all of these trials, every single one of them, happened several years ago. Why? And Americans know the answer to this question. You certainly do. Why is there such a rush now to make sure these trials are completed before November of next year, 2024, when they could have brought the same charges immediately after the incidents, the alleged incidents that he's been, he's been charged for. Why didn't they do that two years ago? That would have given plenty of time to go through the, prosecutorial process, appeals, and come to a final verdict on everything. You know why. It's not about Donald Trump not becoming president. That I'm talking about the timing of it. They waited this long to make sure they could keep him from campaigning for the 2024 election because he was going to be covered up with trials, that he was going to be in court rooms and not campaigning. It is so obvious. It's nauseating. They have no no pride in their hearts. They don't even care any longer if the American people understand what they're trying to do. They have one task. One task. The far left. And not even the far left. There's a bunch of Democrats in the middle. They don't want Trump back in the White House. 
They don't like what he accomplished for the American people in his four years there, and they're committed to do anything and everything they can to keep him away. You know why? Trump started the process of giving the government back to the American people, taking it away from the swamp. When he was campaigning, Trump is who named the Washington, D.C. bureaucracy the swamp. And Americans immediately picked up on it. They recognized there is a far left, and they seem very creepy at what they try to do. And almost every day we see another example of them doing those exact things. Look at what's happening at the southern border. I mean, it's just one thing after another. Lawlessness is everywhere, but sadly, it remains. It's in process, and it doesn't need to be that way. But the left keep it ramped up. They don't even care that most Americans know there is no realistic explanation for opening up our southern borders and letting who know who is coming in and what they're bringing with them in the way of criminality. The fact that it's illegal for these actions to be made, it doesn't bother the left. They justify anything and everything they want. They don't even explain it anymore. They know the American people are sick of it. Mike Johnson was asked after all the stuff that happened, he was asked, why, why did Republicans in the House turn down more financial support for Ukraine? And the left are out there preaching damnation and hellfire and brimstone for those Republicans that said, no, we're not going to go down this road. We want some quid pro quo. And your leader, Joe Biden, he is the master of quid pro quo. So way back, Way back before we got down to the the cutting moment, Republicans in the House gave the left, the leaders of the left, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, here's what it will take for us to send more money to Ukraine. We've got to have some changes at our southern border. We've got to see the Democrat Party actually doing some things to enforce the rule of law down at our southern border. Here's what Johnson had to say. Saying that Ukraine funding has to be tied to border security, meaning if we're going to give you some freaking money, uh, how about we can actually do a little something for the citizens of America? How novel. We need a clear articulation of the strategy to allow Ukraine to win. And thus far, their responses have been insufficient. They have not provided us the clarity and the detail that we have requested over and over since literally 24 hours after I was handed the gavel as Speaker of the House. And so what the Biden administration seems to be asking for is billions of additional dollars with no appropriate oversight, no clear strategy to win, and and none of the answers that I think the American people are owed. I have also made very clear from day one that our first condition on any national security supplemental spending package is about our own national security first. The border is an absolute catastrophe, and this is because of the policies of this White House and this administration. We had 12,000 illegal crossings on one day last week alone, on Wednesday. We have uh, 
almost now 280 known terrorists that have been apprehended at the border. None of this counts the gotaways. If you add the numbers up, it's almost 7 million people who have been encountered at the border just since President Biden took office and at least 2 million gotaways. This is twice the population of my state of Louisiana. Fentanyl is the leading cause of death for Americans age 18 to 49 in this country. Fentanyl poisoning because it's allowed over the border. We have human trafficking and all the other terrible things. In the last three months, October, November, December alone, we've had more illegal crossings at the border than in any entire year during the Obama administration. The American people see this, they feel it acutely, they see all the terrible societal ills that come from this, and it must be addressed. So I've made this very clear, again, from the very beginning, when I was handed the gavel, we needed clarity on what we're doing in Ukraine and how we'll have proper oversight of the spending of precious taxpayer dollars of the American citizens, and we needed a transformative change at the border. You really need to think about this, and it, it does, maybe you're watching this and I'm a little more isolationist on Ukraine, and again, I just think that, that from the beginning, you've seen what I've said about this. There was mission creep, we don't know who the good guys and bad guys are. As I've talked about many times, I had Rand Paul and we don't know where the money's going. Like, there's just like, Putin's got nukes. Like, there's a whole bunch of series of problems there. By the way, I would say that's starkly different than what's going on with Israel and Gaza, because there's a very clear win there, which is the toppling of uh, Hamas and then actually setting a border and helping an ally who helps us with technology and all sorts of stuff. But that, that's, a, that's a complete aside. Um, but he's basically making two clear points. Could you tell us what the plan is if we're going to give them billions of dollars? That's number one. And how about we do a little something at home first? How many of those videos do we play each week where we just have people pouring through our border? No one that could even approximately consider themselves pro-America could think that that's okay. The Democrat Party thinks it's okay, and the people of CNN and MSNBC think it's okay because I don't think they're very pro-America. That's kind of where we're at at the moment. So in the midst of this and his passion for Ukraine, what has the president done? Well, he's talked to some of his fellow Democrats, and Joe made a fatal mistake, I think. I think he expressed his opinion that maybe, maybe we just ought to agree with some of what the Republicans are requesting, and why don't we think about going back and adopting some of the Trump-era restrictions that were put on that would be palatable to the Republicans palatable enough to give us money for Ukraine and Israel. Several congressional Democrats, they went nuts. They expressed their opposition to the Biden administration's reported plans to bring back Trump-era policies to secure the southern border in exchange for more money for Ukraine. The Biden administration is open to bringing back several of the Trump-era migrant expulsion policies just to get Republicans on board with supporting Ukrainian aid. Now, this is a fact. CBS News reported this last night. Those plans would include expelling migrants without screening them for asylum, while increasing deportations and detention, which several congressional Democrats view as, and I love this word, they said, that's problematic. <laughs> enforcing the rule of law, enforcing federal immigration laws. Oh, we can't go there. That's problematic. 
These are the same policies weaponized against immigrant communities under the Trump administration and or the foundation of President Trump's vision of sweeping raids, giant camps, mass deportations for a second term. Destroying the asylum system will not fix the southern border. We did not spend years fighting this agenda under Trump only to give in to Senate Republicans' extreme demands now. Guess who that came from? Democrat Washington Rep. Pramia Jayapal, one of the farthest leftists in the House of Representatives. I call on my Senate colleagues to reject these policies and support funding that would give the administration the tools it needs to process asylum seekers enforce U.S. immigration laws. Can you believe she said that? They need more money to enforce immigration laws. But she wasn't finished. And provide funding to cities welcoming new migrants. I am ready to work with any of my colleagues who are serious about fixing our broken immigration system and creating the legal pathways we need to ensure an orderly process at the border. But in a thoughtful way, not as a ransom demand for Ukraine aid, she continued. Mayorkas, he paid a visit to Capitol Hill Tuesday, and he went there to provide some technical assistance, his term, amid ongoing negotiations. The White House signaled it would back a similar policy to Title 42. Again, that's according to CBS News. They've talked to somebody at the higher levels in the White House. Title 42 was invoked to expel migrants who crossed the border illegally as a matter of public health during the COVID-19 pandemic and was allowed to expire by the Biden folks in May on May 11th. It also said to be supportive of of implementing nationwide expedited removals of migrants who don't request asylum or who fail initial asylum interviews. Now, these Democrats, they're getting obsessed with this. Now, let me ask you a question. These hard leftists like Jayapal and some of the others, what is their problem Why do they continue to tell us we've got to ignore the laws that were passed by the people's representatives? In other words, we've got 435 congressional districts in the U.S. Each one of those districts has a member of Congress, male or female, that goes to the House of Representatives in D.C. to represent what their people in their district wants in the way of governing. Now, where am I going with this? How many times has proposed legislation come up to basically open our borders and make doing so legally? How many times? I don't know, but dozens and dozens and dozens of times. So what they want you to believe is these 435 in the House and 100 in the Senate that represent the states that all these lawmakers up there, they're thumbing their noses. Well, not all of them. Republicans, excuse me, those evil MAGA extremists, what they want to do is destroy our democracy. Of course, that's a charge levied every day 
against Donald Trump. The thing they don't want you to think about and consider is democracy is based upon a structure of law. And everybody that lives in that democracy has to abide by the law. So what Jayapal and others want to do, they want to ignore the voters, what the voters think, what the voters want, and just make everybody abide, but they won't. And if you don't agree, we'll just do it anyway. That's the Joe Biden way of operating in the government. He executive order after executive order after executive order again and again and again. He ignores them, spends money that he can't spend. Even the Supreme Court told him it is illegal, sir, for you to cancel foreign, not foreign debt, college debt that the government is on the hook for it. You can't cancel it. It's illegal. He went ahead and did it. He did another version of it last week. This guy is thumbing his nose at the rule of law. Jayapal wants it to continue in the area of our southern border. They want to flood the nation with illegals so they can create a permanent, a permanent leftist in charge of everything. Wow, I just got a text from Steve Baker. This is going to rock many of you to your toes. It did me. I just opened it and I read this. Quote, the feds are charging him for his involvement in January 6th. No details yet about what the charges are. And he has, he's got a self-surrender to the FBI on Tuesday. That's a kick in the shin. You know Steve. I know him well. Would you, would you allow me right now just to stop and pray? And for those of you that are Christians, would you pray with me? Father, Steve is your servant. He's committed to do right, righteous things, and he has done nothing but that in just bringing the details, the facts about wrongdoing in our government by our government over the last years. I know this is a shock to him. Even though he always knew it was possible, he prayed as we have that it never would happen. It's happening. Would you give him the peace and the understanding that we at Truth News Network, TNN Live, we have his back. And we're going to pray with him to pray through this. And I pray that you would open the eyes, the hearts, and the ears of those who are going to be involved in what happens to him after all this really ramps up. And that you protect his heart, you protect his mind, Fear, we curse you. Don't, don't get in his head and destroy anything in him whatsoever. In your name we pray. Amen. Wow. I haven't had anything rock me like that so instantaneously in a long, long time. Now, we've said this. Steve has said this on this show. 
and I'm going to repeat it because it's something very important for all of us to remember. If this can happen to Steve Baker, who all he did on January 6th was take videos and then beginning to tell the story that was documented with his video camera. This is the United States of America. That stuff is all he did. If they can arrest him and prosecute him for that, they do it to Steve. They can do it to you and me. Not trying to scare you. I'm just saying it's time we all wake up and realize there's evil in this world. Horrible evil. And many of our friends, many of the conservatives in America, in doing nothing more than exposing the evil itself and the evildoers, are finding themselves looking down the throat of a government that is now beginning to forget about the rights enshrined in the Constitution for Americans of all ilk. Party doesn't matter. Sexual preference doesn't matter. Nation of origin, skin color, religion doesn't matter. But it does now. This administration is committed to the destruction of individual rights of Americans. And who do you think's next? It could be you. It could be me. But now we know Steve Baker is about to see what the other side of this looks like. Wow. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the Bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Oh, with Geico. Oh, sorry. Here we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko. Cut so... it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years. <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good. I'm good. <clears throat> For over 70. <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Gecko. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. 
Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Wow, that's a shocker. Talk about a kick in the shin or a kick in the knees. I thought that would never happen. I did not believe that the United States was at that point in our structure. But I think all the things we've been watching, talking about, educating others about, people believe it. It's like, we shouldn't be surprised. You know, when... You got a dog that barks and barks and barks and barks and it begins to get more vocal in its barking and then acting like it's going to bite you and you keep messing around, dealing with the dog and all of a sudden the dog bites you. We shouldn't be shocked that that happened. But I'm shocked. I thought this would never happen because I know Steve didn't break the law. Now, he's made it very clear on several of his appearances here on the show on Tuesdays. He made it very clear the only thing he did that he could possibly be prosecuted for was going into the Capitol building. And one would think logically, that's a public building. We the people own it. And yes, we're not supposed to go in it. But he went in it not doing anything, not perpetrating any kind of horrible or illegal actions other than just being there. He went in to document what was going on inside. He took videos. He talked to people. He watched a bunch of the stuff that was happening, and he's reported on it fairly and honestly ever since. Just a few days after January 6th happened, I sat down with him and spent two hours And he rolled it all out to me. I was in shock. I couldn't believe that our government would do such things. But they did, and they are. And I'll just tell you right now, before I know any of the details, and I just sent him a text during that break, and I told him we stopped the show and we prayed for him. And he texts me back three little hands in the air in the praying formation. God's going to take care of this. God's going to use this. Men intend this to be used for evil purposes. God's going to turn it into something good. That's what God always does for his people. I just I notified Mary Ann that he just gave me that information, and she just texted me back saying, Oh, no, exclamation point, exclamation point. He's one of us. He's one of us. Now, I will tell you this. The only difference between what I do here, what we do at Truth News Network, and what Steve is about to be indicted for, the only difference is I didn't go into the Capitol building. We run videos, audios, stories that are truthful, but they tackle all of this horrible stuff perpetrated by the far left against the American people. So don't ever think that you're immune from anything coming out of evil people in charge of your town, your city, your state. 
your congressional district, and certainly your Department of Justice in the United States of America. We're finding out the hard way. Evil is everywhere. And we're just going to have to work our way through it and live with it. Always embrace the truth and expect the best. If you're a Christian, God's promised us we do the right things. And not just Christian things I'm talking about. If we do the right things, like obeying the law, honoring the law, honoring lawmakers, honoring and praying for people in positions of power over us, even if it's just to say, God, I don't agree with what this person is doing. I don't agree with the process they're using to do these things, but they're in a position of authority over me, and I pray that you would bless them and open their eyes to see the error of what they're doing in leading us. Pray that every day. I've told you this many and many times. I pray for Joe Biden. I pray for him every day. I made a commitment to do that based upon that scripture. Jesus is the one. He told his disciples, honor those in authority over you. He didn't tell us to honor the things that those in authority over us are doing that are wrong, unlawful. He didn't say to do that. If we pray for them and our prayer is, Father, protect them to the point where they confront the bad and evil and sometimes illegal choices they've made, open their eyes to see, recognize the errors of their ways, and to make changes. You can pray that for Joe Biden every day. So can I. I do. Join me. Would you join me? Denny Duran. Um, he's, he's not my biological brother, but he's my brother. His family took me in when I was a teenager, and I grew up with Francis and Rodney Duran as my mom and dad, and Denny Duran as my older brother. And when I'm prone every once in a while to speak out in my anger and disgust about what's going on there, I've given you his illustration before, but it's kind of applicable today. He told me, he said, I fly a lot, which he does. He flies all over the t- and all the time going to different places in ministry. And he said, I may not like that guy that's flying left, left seat in the cockpit. Left seat is where the pilot sits, the co-pilot's on the right side. And he said, but I guarantee every time I sit down in my seat in the plane, I say a prayer that the guy on the left seat that I may, I don't know anything about him, but I may not like him. I may think, he, I may know who he is and not like him, but I want him to be very successful at what he does, getting this plane in the air and getting us to the ground safely on the other side of this. That's a plausible explanation of what the scripture teaches us to do. We'll give you the details. In fact, later today, we'll get we'll get Steve on the phone. He's actually in the video room, the U.S. Capitol video room editing, going through and editing some more video of the January 6th going on. He got there yesterday. I talked to him yesterday on the phone. He gave me a call. 
And he hadn't heard about any of this being even possible. They did notify him, as you've heard him tell us, over a year ago, they notified him that it is a possibility they were going to arrest him. And the charges, do you remember the charges they told him they would charge him with? Racketeering. Now, what is racketeering? It means it is a premeditated, whatever the alleged act they're going to indict you for. If you premeditatively, if you collude with others to go out and together break laws, and in doing so, you're violating whatever law or laws there are, you're going to be prosecuted and found guilty, of course, for the laws that you broke. But on top of that, you're going to answer for colluding with others, kind of like starting a syndicate. And your syndicate, all of the people in your syndicate are working together to break laws. Now, they told him that's what they were going to charge him with. We won't know till Tuesday, probably. We may know over the weekend. His lawyer, I'm sure, was notified by the FBI that they've met with several times down in North Carolina, Stephen, his lawyer, with the FBI agents there. And I'm sure one of those agents is who called Steve's attorney and let him know. We'll find out the specifics, and as soon as we do, We'll let you know. And by the way, if it happens, doesn't happen till over the weekend, hopefully we'll know by tomorrow on this show. But if it happens during the weekend, make sure that you check out our bullet point offering at truthnewsnet.org. That one is published every Saturday, and it includes links to and a basic information about what we consider to be the biggest stories of the day that previous week. We'll have a story there if we get the information on this before the weekend. We'll have this story there. And if not, Monday morning we'll have more about it. In fact, we're going to try to get him on the show Monday instead of Tuesday. It looks like his Tuesday is going to be kind of uh, full. Wow. I've never been arrested. I don't want to ever be arrested. I have people in my family that have been arrested and I've been on the helping get the, these people. It's our son long time ago, get him out of jail. And I know how nasty and uh, fear, fearful it makes you experience when you go through that. I just hate to see anybody go through that. Speaking of people that uh, walk among the self-appointed high, high atmosphere that they're enlightened and made available because of who they are to walk at that level. Special presidential envoy for climate, John Kerry, he made it known publicly that he desires for the Biden administration to keep him on in some kind of official role, whatever that may be, for the foreseeable future. Now, what in the heck does that mean? (laughs) He vowed to keep up his public climate advocacy until his very last breath amid his pushing for all kinds of regulations at the UN Climate Summit that just finished in uh, the, uh, where was that? Dubai, I believe. Yes, it was in the UAE in Dubai. It's a third summit he's attended as Biden's climates are. 
The event is one of dozens that he has gone to since early 2021. As long as this is a crisis. Now, that's an interesting term because I just told you minutes ago about the part one documentary evidentiary story that we published this morning at truthnewsnet.org that debunks anything about our climate conditions now and what's ahead. 1,600 scientists said none of it is a crisis. Anyway, Kerry said, as long as this is a crisis, I will be organizing and speaking and active in dealing with this challenge. Maybe in one role or another, he answered when he was asked about continuing his work with the Biden administration. He said, I intend to be a citizen until my last breath. I think we all are, right? I don't know what he meant by that. And he elaborated. And by that, I mean there are obligations of citizenship, obligations of responsibility, and of speaking out and fighting for values. So I think one should never turn one's back on that public obligation. COP28 is the name of that climate entity that he went to, is winding down in Dubai. The result of the climate confab is supposedly a new international agreement pushing more aggressive, more controlling commitments from nations over climate change. Kerry led a delegation that proposed several new initiatives, according to Fox News, and one of those conditions is not for people at his level, funded by the United States and representing the United States, from flying overseas using fossil fuel in a private jet. And by the way, our vice president went to the same summit. Don't you think she and John Kerry should have flown on the same private jet to stop from some of that coal-burning fossil fuel emissions to be in our atmosphere? Oh, no, they're better than that. They're above that. Forget about the dollars and cents it costs. And he gave some examples of what he's going to continue to work on. For example, he said, the U.S. finalized regulations targeting methane emissions of the oil and gas sector and vowed to shutter all remaining coal-fired power plants. Now, he said that, but the United States didn't do any of that. The United States hasn't vowed to shutter all remaining coal-fired power plants. Now, here's something that I don't know. Maybe John Kerry doesn't know. But how do we get power to the Tesla and other EV charging stations? Where do those charging stations get the electricity that they recharge car batteries with? Did you know that 90% of them are powered through fossil fuel, many of them powered through coal, fossil fuel, that is used to operate (laughs) electricity plants. You can't make this stuff up. They think everybody, they think we're stupid. We don't understand. We don't know. Don't even worry about this stuff. Y'all just listen to us. Do what we tell you to do. And after all, you're a bunch of plebes. We know better about anything and everything than you ever will. 
So don't question anything. Don't even look it up. We've got it for you. He said this, it's safe to say that there literally will be hundreds of initiatives that will be announced, many of them coming from the U.S., but also many coming from other parts of the world. I think it's going to be a very exciting presentation of a global effort that is taking place, even though it's not happening fast enough or big enough yet. What is very clear to us, he said, and we will be pushing the next two weeks that we are here negotiating We have to move faster. We have to be much more seized of this issue all around the planet. There's too much business, as usual, still. He made clear his professed obsession with combating global warming to Politico Europe. We have to do something. We're all doomed, evidently. The bottom line is that we have to do things because it's a crisis and life itself is at stake, he said. There are serious challenges now. The climate alarmist, in his role as special presidential envoy for climate, he globetrots across the planet on private jets, using proffered diplomacy to push countries to dump fossil fuels in favor of green energy alternatives while he's flying around on a corporate jet. I wonder how they're going to make those corporate jets fly. I mean, I assume he's working in Washington, D.C. I know he is up on the Northeast. He married Teresa Hines Carey, Hines being the important part of who she is. She is the heiress of the Hines ketchup fortune. And they own, they being him and Teresa, if they haven't sold it yet, they own a large private jet leasing corporation and they're both climate activists (laughs) explain that one to me he got all kind of criticism for his use of that jet owned by his family according to flight tracking data in July 2022 a Gulfstream G4 SP which is a special uh, longer trip capable jet owned by Kerry's family made 48 trips that lasted more than 60 hours. And in those 60 hours in the air, that jet emitted an estimated 715,886 pounds or 325 metric tons of carbon over the course of the Biden administration's first 18 months. Where'd that carbon go? went directly into the atmosphere. However, one month after the Fox News digital report that highlighted the jet's extensive carbon footprint, and after lawmakers blasted Kerry for his hypocrisy, the Gulfstream jet was sold. They sold it to an energy-focused hedge fund in New York City. You know, those hedge funds, billionaires. How do they travel? They fly around in corporate jets. Whitney Smith, who is a State Department spokesperson, confirmed the sale of that jet in a statement earlier this year and said, Kerry travels commercially in his current role, which is not true. He flew to Dubai. You can't get on a train (laughs) if you don't fly. And he doesn't fly commercially. This 
hypocrisy is everywhere in government today. Talk about hypocrisy. You know, we told you early in the show today, Trump's case about the trial of his uh, insurgency leadership in January 6th, that trial in Washington, D.C., yesterday was put on notice it's likely not going to happen before next year's election. And so the reason for that is it's gone already fast-tracked to the Supreme Court. So you know where Democrats went with it when this came out yesterday. They attacked the Supreme Court again. Democrats did. They challenged the integrity once more of Justice Clarence Thomas over mounting stakes for former Donald Trump presidency and the hearing that's going to happen. Little time was wasted after they agreed to hear a petition from special counsel Jack Smith on questions of Donald Trump's alleged immunity. And so they won't. They want to handpick which of the nine justices can sit in on that Supreme Court case like they have the authority. That's a wrap on today's show. A lot of stuff we didn't get to. Make sure you join us tomorrow morning. We'll have all the details about Steve Baker's situation. Be praying for him. I know he's a very emotional person. I know this is kicking him in the ribs. When you think about him today, whisper a prayer. Christmas time, Christmas songs. Two of my favorite singers, Michael Bublé, Bing Crosby. Now, wait a minute, Crosby's dead, right? Well, here's a little special feature that features both of them. Listen for yourself. You know, I've been thinking about my favorite Christmas memories, and the earliest I can recall was sitting with my mom and dad in the house and playing Christmas records. Not Christmas records, no, one Christmas record. It was Bing Crosby's White Christmas. And I loved that so much that my parents would put it on in Thanksgiving, and they'd spin it for about 12 months. Now, that same record is still playing in our house, and my parents haven't had a turntable since about 1983. (laughs) They love it, and so do I. Now, no one can sing like Bing. So I wanted to show you something very cool that we found. This is from his 1971 NBC Christmas special. Check it out. About 25 years ago, Mr. Irving Berlin strung together a touch of words and music that have become sort of a special sound of Christmas to a lot of people. Now, if I may, I... Excuse me. Sorry, Mr. Crosby. I I don't want to interrupt one of my heroes, but I was just wondering if maybe we could sing White Christmas together. Nope. (laughs) I didn't expect that answer. Okay, as you were saying... As I was saying, uh, Mr. Berlin wrote this song uh, 25 you know, this, years ago. It's just one of my favorite Christmas songs, and I was just talking about it. Not a chance. It. Seems to be an excess of zeal here this evening. I applaud zeal, but after all, there are See, certain... Mr. Crosby, this is my Christmas special. And Forget it. I promised my mom that I would be singing with you, and I have the technology, but I will let you go first. Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops listen 